is Motley Fool Answers. I'm Allison Southwick, and I'm joined, as always, by Robert running down a dream, Bro Camp. Happy New Year, bro! Uh, and to you as well, and a belated happy birthday, Allison, Thank December you. 26th. Thank you for remembering. Yeah, Boxing Day baby here. So today we're going to talk about how investing in health and investing in your health is the path to wealth. All that and more on this week's episode of Motley Fool Answers. So, bro, what's up? <laughs> well, Allison, as you said, we're going to talk about health stocks later in the episode. And so timely, since it's a new year. And if you're inclined towards resolutions, chances are they include something about health or wealth or both. And so I have good news for you because you can kill two ghouls with one stone or something like that. Because the evidence is clear that healthier people are wealthier people and vice versa. So here's just one example of the evidence. It's from a 2018 Washington Post article by Christopher Ingraham, and he looked at the federal guidelines for exercise, which are that adults should perform at least 150 minutes of moderate physical activity or 75 minutes of vigorous physical activity each week. And they should also do some like muscle strengthening stuff like calisthenics or lifting weights twice a week. What he found was that the states with the lowest percentage of adults who met that criteria also tended to have lower median incomes, with the lowest being Mississippi. Uh, and the states with the higher percentages of adults who exercise, they had higher median incomes, with the highest being, you want to take a guess? What's the fittest state, do you think? Oh, wow. Uh, Calif- uh, not California. There's so Close, many people near and dear to the fool's heart. Virginia? Colorado. Colorado. They can't help but exercise out there. (laughs) Oh my gosh, it's so beautiful. Uh, Anyway, so the question is, which is the chicken and which is the egg when it comes to health and wealth? And the answer is yes, and that they're both sort of the cause and the effect. Uh, So uh, let's see. Let's here are some reasons that better health leads to higher wealth. So uh, evidence is clear that people who are healthier are more productive. And people who experience health problems are more likely to miss work and more likely to be stressed uh, and to succumb to something called presenteeism. So absenteeism is when you're not at work. Presenteeism is when you are at work, but you're just not on top of your game. Uh, Also, health problems can obviously get expensive. More money you spend on copays, drugs, doctors, artificial whatevers, the less money you have to save and invest. Uh, And one of the biggest reasons that people retire earlier than expected is poor health. And people who retire earlier than planned, they had fewer years to contribute to their 401ks, and their nest egg must be spent over a longer time period. So they have to have, they generally have lower income than people who work later. Uh, and by the way, the evidence is that this is true on a national basis. Healthier countries have more wealth, and health interventions, whether on a national or individual basis, lead to increased wealth eventually, generally through things like higher productivity and stuff like that. Now, here are some ways that higher wealth leads to better health. Wealthier people are more likely to afford any kind of health interventions, and they have better access to healthcare in general. Like right now, the country is rolling out the coronavirus vaccine, and there's no doubt in my mind that there will be a strong correlation between wealth and the order in which someone gets vaccinated. Um, Wealthier people are also more likely to be able to afford things like gym memberships, personal trainers, healthier food, all kinds of other things that are associated with better health. Um, So basically, the cause and effect between health and wealth likely goes both ways. But then there's a question of how much control you have over your health. And I've done a lot of reading about this, and there's 
considerable debate about it, um, with the evidence suggesting that anywhere between 30% and 70% of health problems are due to lifestyle decisions. Uh, but here's just one breakdown using the data from uh, the Boston Foundation and the New England Healthcare Institute, as published in bipartisanpolicy.org. So the question is, what makes us healthy? 10% of it is access to care. 20% is genetics. 20% environment. 50% is based on healthy behaviors. Eating right, exercising, mental stimulation, and avoiding too much of things like drugs and alcohol. So you do have a role in determining your future health and thus your wealth. In case you do have some health-related resolutions for 2021, um, here are three tips that I personally have helped me ac accomplish health-related goals, uh, including losing 15 pounds during the pandemic. Number one, coming up with some sort of accountability mechanism. So I used stick.com, that's S-T-I-C-K-K.com, and I committed to losing one and a half pounds per week, or I would have to donate money to a political organization uh, that I strongly disagree with. And you have to choose someone who kind of keeps tabs on you. And for me, that was Sam Whiteside, our, our full personal trainer. Number two, join a group. You're more likely to do exercise and stick to a plan if other people are doing it. It's another form of accountability. Uh, here at The Motley Fool, there are some, some of us who get together on Tuesdays and Thursday mornings at 9 o'clock. There's another group that meets every day at 12 to do push-ups. Do it all over Zoom. So if you join some sort of group, I think that will help. Uh, we just had our family Zoom Christmas party, and one of my wife's cousins has created the Women's Adventurers Group. And basically, they just choose to take a walk somewhere they've never taken a walk before, which I think is a great idea. And then number three, optimize your environment. And this comes from James Clear, who wrote a great book for this time of year called Atomic Habits. And he makes the point that you are more likely to stick to certain habits if you design your environment to either encourage it. So for example, if it is exercise, um, having your exercise equipment close by, the night before you go to, you know, before you go to bed, you put out your shoes and your stuff, making it easier to accomplish your task, or you make it difficult to do the bad things. So if you're trying to eat better, number one, just stay out of the kitchen. And number two, don't leave food out, right? If if you make if you if your kids make Christmas cookies or anything like that, either make sure they get put in the in the pantry or put away somewhere where you don't see them. Because if you leave the food out, you're just going to eat it. Um, finally, if you need more inspiration to live a healthy life, here's how Christopher Ingraham concluded the aforementioned Wasting Post article. He wrote, quote, let's wrap it all up with one final question. Should you even care about any of this? And here's the answer. Only if you enjoy being alive. At the state level, higher rates of physical activity are correlated with longer lifespans. There's about five years of difference in average life expectancy between the least physically active state, Mississippi, and the most active, Colorado. And that, Allison, is what's up. time when many people begin to rethink the excesses of the holidays and resolve to live a healthier life. And as Bro already explained, the better you can maintain your own personal health, the better your chances of growing your personal wealth. But what if you could also grow your wealth by investing in companies that are trying to make us all healthier? 
So Jason Moser is here. He's an analyst with The Motley Fool. He's also the host of Industry Focus for Wildcard Wednesdays. And he's here to talk about the fitness industry and some stocks to watch. Jason, thank you for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. Happy New Year. It's and been to a you while. as well. It's been a while since we've had you on, I feel. <laughs> it's been a so while, I'm, I think, I'm yeah. I'm glad you're back. I'm yeah, glad yeah. you're with us. Like I've always said, I'm always happy to join. All you have to do is invite and... Uh, um, and I always enjoy always enjoy spending time with you guys. I'm glad it's that easy. So, all right, let's get into it. So, fitness has come a long way, thanks in large part to technology. So, Jason, can you just talk a little bit about what is what's what's the and it's not a sector, but what are what's the most exciting trends right now in fitness? Well, I mean, it, it does it does feel like it's a sector. I mean, the the fitness that I don't know that that we kind of grew up with, I guess. I mean, I, I remember when when getting a gym membership was a novel concept and a bit of a luxury uh, purchase for a lot of folks. And um, if you if you look, the International Health Racket and Sports Club Association, or in short, the IHRSA, um, according to the IHRSA, there are 183 million people who had a gym membership globally. Wow. As of 2018, wow. domestically here in the United States, that number was 62 million. And so that concept went from maybe somewhat of a luxury to somewhat of a norm for a lot of people. And, and then, as we know, the Internet uh, came and, and then mobile technology followed. And that has just changed everything, mostly for the better. Um, I think healthcare or, or fitness was a, was a little bit slow to, to adopt. But once that ball got rolling, we saw a lot of companies start springing up and figuring out ways to incorporate technology into the fold and bring new fitness offerings to consumers. And then, of course, we saw really in all of 2020, I mean, I mean that just became such a convenience for so many people as, as we were very limited in where we could go and what we could do. I feel like because of, probably because of the iPhone, then suddenly things like Fitbits made sense. I mean, a Fitbit used, I mean, when Fitbits first came out, everyone had a Fitbit, right? You're like, oh my gosh, do you have a Fitbit? Get a Fitbit. What's that? Oh, it's a Fitbit. Um, it was a pedometer. Like that's this literally thing, all it was. It tells me how many steps I'm taking. Out because it talked to my iPhone and then it would like say, good job. And it would vibrate in a way that was kind of like, you did it. And you'd be like, yeah, yeah I did. Thanks, pedometer. <laughs> yeah. It, you know, it's funny. I mean, I, I guess I, I guess there's maybe two, two, two schools of thought there. I mean, I... I I tell you, I have no interest in being that connected. I mean, I never owned a Fitbit. Um, I, I don't want to wear a wearable on my on my arm that's always buzzing and telling me to get up and walk around. I, I feel like I'm pretty good about being able to do that. But then, I mean, on the other side of the coin there, you've got folks who absolutely love that nudge and that transparency and that granular data. They love to know how they're sleeping, how many steps they're walking, what they're blood pressure is their heart rate and yada, 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 it goes on. And, it, and it's really phenomenal, the capabilities that a lot of these devices have. I mean, you think about things like Fitbit or whether it's Apple Watch. I mean, those are two of probably, th those are the two devices that people are probably most familiar with. But um, I mean, there are a ton of them out there. And, and I think you, I think you're right. I mean, when you, when you, it all goes back to the smartphone and, and the smartphone really has been, to my mind, Probably, I mean, it's it's one of the most important inventions, clearly in our lifetime, but I think in in, in <laughs> all of mankind's existence. I mean, it's just done so much. It's like a window to the entire world in our pocket, 
And, and, uh, yeah, I mean, you can get these devices, they sync up to your phone, you're able to, uh, not only record all this data, but then parse this data. And and then if you're into that lifestyle, you can figure out what to do with that data to give yourself an even healthier lifestyle. So it, it is it is amazing how quickly technology has changed this conversation, how many uh, capabilities now folks have in regard to fitness that we just didn't have before. Yeah. Well, you had uh, you did an interview on Industry Focus. You tackled this issue um, a few months back. And you and your guests talked about companies that excel at habit-forming moments. And the idea that the companies that are going to do well are going to be the ones that are going to get you to keep using them, keep subscribing, keep coming back for more. Um, Because so many of them do depend on like monthly subscription fees for you to keep getting that extra data or that extra insight or, or nudges. So what do you, I mean, do you think really it is about those habit forming moments? Because I know for a lot of us, we got our Fitbit and now it's collecting dust in a sock drawer somewhere. Yeah. I I mean, it's, it's, it's understandable. I mean, I think I, 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 you know, Emily Flippin, one one of our uh, investors on our, on our investing team here, and I know everybody out there knows Emily. um, She said something the other day that kind of stuck with me. It, It just generally speaking, most people, don't really want to exercise. I mean, they don't want to get out there and do that stuff. I think I think I agree with that. I mean, I'm not I'm not clamoring to go downstairs and walk on my treadmill or uh, you know go hit the Pilates <laughs> hit the Pilates machine for an hour. Um, but you know, hey, listen, you invite me to go walk 18 holes of golf, and I'm there. And and hey, that's walking about five miles or so if you if you go walk 18 holes. And so it, it is. It's it's an interesting. It's an interesting situation when it comes to fitness because, I mean, there are some people that do love it. I think for the most people, though, it it is a bit of a chore. They don't want to do it if they don't have to. So then if they do have to, there has to be some sort of way, again, to kind of nudge you along, to reward you along the way, or just to kind of keep your interest level up just enough to make you realize that that what you're doing is good for you and that you should keep on doing it. And, and, I mean, clearly a a subscription is is one way to do that. I mean, we always talk about with, with investing having skin in the game is is one surefire way to really keep an eye on a company. I mean, owning shares of that company will keep your interest up. If, if you're paying for a subscription to something, normally that's going to be something that keeps your interest because you're paying for that subscription. Um, but but yeah, it, it, is, it is something that I think is going to be a constant challenge for these companies is figuring out ways to engage and keep customers or interest because, because fitness is just one of those things that it, it's I don't I don't know that it's the top of mind for everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, and we'll we'll t- we'll start talking more about specific companies here in a little bit and breaking them down. Um, but I know, like for some people, I know they have pelotons that are collecting dust. But other people, I also know because they post on Instagram every day about how much they just love their peloton and are living yeah. the peloton life and peloton, peloton. And so, <laughs> and I can tell you that these are people who probably did not actually do a lot of exercise before they just fell in love with their peloton. And somehow they maybe yeah. cracked some sort of code for them that made time on their peloton, peloton intrinsically motivate you know intrinsically motivated to do it they do it because they love doing it as opposed to getting a nudge or getting a a stick so yeah you know what i think i I do think for a lot of those folks and i think this is something that peloton really um really homed in on early is just the community aspect i think when you have more people in the boat doing what you're doing when you have more people in the same boat 
um, it becomes a little, you can justify it a little bit more. It becomes a little bit more interesting to you, but you're part of a group and, and you're part of a community and you're all doing the same thing and kind of working towards the same goal. And, and, and while you're a part of a community, you know, it, it ultimately is still an individual goal in, in, in that it's pertaining to your fitness. But I do think that's something where Peloton really, um, they, they cracked a little bit of the code there in that community aspect. Yeah. There tends to be a great opportunity for controversy controversy and backlash in the when it comes to fitness stocks. I mean, if you remember Lululemon back in the day, they had kind of a controversial founder CEO. Oh, yeah. Um controversial for like not showing uh <laughs> only showing extremely extremely fit women and not even making larger sizes and then of course Peloton, they had their own kerfuffle on Twitter over the holidays. Was it last year? I, yeah, I, I mean, I right? guess you're referring to the commercial, I guess. Yeah, the commercial yeah. was like a woman was like so thrilled that her husband bought her a Peloton for Christmas. And then the Twitter backlash or joke was it essentially like, oh, that what a great Christmas present. Your husband just told you that he thinks you're fat. Was that, yeah. was that kind of the backlash? Everybody's looking for something to complain about. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> yeah, like that. You can't you can't do it. No good deed goes unpunished now. <laughs> so. Well, I, I do. Well, I do. So the, the, so I'm, I am building up to something here because I do remember back um, back in the day, back when um, Lululemon was going through like, oh, the controversy of like, oh, you can see through their leggings. And well, all I can understand things. that. <laughs> yeah. I can understand the, the issue there. Yeah. And and they were just going through one thing after another, one thing after another was kind of hitting the company. And I remember um, I was talking to some investor uh, at the Fool about it and they were like, oh yeah, I would never invest in Lululemon because they're just having so much controversy in there. You know, there's, and so same, similar to Peloton, now we're with Peloton, they had so much controversy. And so we just had, I don't know if all of you were at the huddle, but we just had our monthly huddle and the CEO of the Martin agency spoke to the company uh, and she said something that was super fascinating to me. And she said, what she said was that it doesn't matter for your brand. It doesn't matter what people say are saying about you online. She's like, what matters is that they are talking about you and that they are creating awareness and relevance. And so if people are talking about you over something controversial, even if it's a Peloton ad where they're like making fun of the company for running this ad, the, she said the controversy will pass, but the awareness will remain. And with so many of these fitness companies, they're walking this fine line of, you know, you're you're great, but you could be better. <laughs> and, and so I think it is really easy for them to have these commercials that are a little off or ads that are like strike the wrong tone. But it doesn't seem to matter. They seem it seems to be okay that they hit an off note now and then. I yeah, I think that's right. I, I think that's right, and I think probably. I think probably the main reason why that is, and this is this is purely anecdotal. I mean, I, I've been on Twitter for a little while now. It, it really does. I don't use any other social media, but it really does seem like social media is a place where people go to complain and rip on things. It's not where, like, if Peloton produced some awesome commercial that was just so great and really just fired on all all of the message there and it just it, it just was something that resonated with just the masses what i don't think you're going to see necessarily the same level of traffic on social media praising that advertising campaign versus the level of traffic you would see when people want to go and rip on something in other words i think social media tends to skew uh, towards snark and, and negativity for the most part when it comes to those things. Um, but but I think she's right. I think the controversy will pass. I mean, it definitely keeps that name at top of mind uh, for everybody using those social platforms. And, and ultimately, uh, assuming that the controversy does pass, uh, 
the controversy is gone, but that name is still there. And if those companies are doing good things, um, hey, listen, as consumers, we have very short attention spans. I mean, it's been shown tw- time and time again. I mean, look at Chipotle. I mean, Chipotle has just never been more successful. But uh, what, five years ago, six years ago? I mean, you would have thought that business was going to go bankrupt because they were trying to poison the entire country. Um, and I and I say that uh, obviously tongue in cheek. I mean, that was just uh, you know a, a health a health crisis they had with their food supply chain. But but they got past it, right? We as consumers have forgotten about it, and we know that we've forgotten about it because when you look at the numbers that Chipotle continues to record, it's just really impressive. <laughs> I mean, people yeah. are going back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk some more about some specific companies. So I'm going to give you some tough choices okay. between two fitness companies, or at least fitness related. And if you can just talk about them and let me know which one you're going to choose. Sure. So first up, we have two apparel companies that are trying to be more, and that's Nike versus Lululemon. Which Ooh. one are you going to buy? Wow. So this is a tough one, actually. I think some people might think it's an easy choice, but for me, it's not. And, and I tell you, Lululemon has been nothing short of really impressive. If you look at the last five years, Lululemon stock is up almost 670%. Versus Nike's almost 130%. Now, it's worth mentioning, Nike is a much larger business, has been around for a lot longer. So, a more mature business isn't going to grow as quickly as something like a Lululemon. And Lululemon, as you mentioned earlier, they were recovering from their own uh, little snafus. So, the stock was coming from a low base there as well. Um, that said, I mean, this, the success is because the business is performing well. And, and then if you saw also recently, Lululemon actually acquired the mirror uh, company and that that's kind of another Peloton style offering. It's that mirror that goes on your wall, and essentially it, it's like a portal to a home gym that gives you interactive uh, exercise and fitness content. And so that gives Lululemon more presence in that home fitness market, which I think there's plenty of opportunity there. Uh, I, I do feel like, though, at the end of the day, I'd have to go with the more universal offering here in Nike. Um, it, it is the brand that's just synonymous with sports around the world. I think it's a larger market opportunity in Nike. And and frankly, I, I'm sleeping better at night if I'm owning Nike versus Lululemon. That said, this is not to take anything away from what Lululemon has done. I mean, I think what they have done has just been nothing short of phenomenal. And, and I think that they should continue to do well because it really does seem like they they uh, they have their, their product uh, lineup and, and strategy really all headed in the right direction. I know some of these might be tough choices. So yeah, that's a tough two between two good stocks or two bad stocks. So here we go. (laughs) Next one. All right, next one. All right, we've already talked a bit about Peloton, but it's Peloton versus Apple, and I've matched these up because Peloton is a straight up. We do bikes, we do connectivity. You're doing these classes, but Apple is really trying to get into this game too. So it's not as pure of a fitness play here. But what do you think between what Peloton is trying to do and what Apple's trying to to take away? Well, yeah, I, I think when Peloton first went public, I, I will, I will absolutely admit that I was, I was skeptical. I didn't really fully see it, and um, I don't, I don't own a Peloton. I probably never will, uh, but 
they they have really keyed in on something. And I think part of that has been just the community aspect of their business. They've got the Peloton bike, the Peloton tread. Uh, it's all about connected fitness. They've got this premium equipment. They built this community and they have a community of over three and a half million members as of uh, September of, of 2020. And and not only is it the, the premium equipment they have, but they also have that Peloton digital offering uh, where you don't necessarily need Peloton hardware to actually be a part of their fitness community. Uh, I remember the reaction when Apple announced their fitness offering in, in Peloton. It, the, the knee-jerk reaction was, uh-oh, it's the Peloton killer. Um, I, 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 I'm a bit skeptical that is the case. I think Apple Fitness is... It, it seems like a no-brainer pro- product for them to launch because they are really trying to get more into the subscription side of of, uh, of that business. I mean, they want to become more than just a phone company, and, and they're doing a good job with that. And the neat thing about Apple is they can take that fitness app, and, and, and Apple doesn't have fitness equipment, right? This is just a digital offering. It's more or less tethered to the watch. If you don't have an Apple watch, the incentive really isn't there to be a part of Apple Fitness. And so... Uh, there's a lot of people out there with Apple Watches, but but I mean, I think that's that's still a somewhat limited opportunity when you look at what Peloton could offer with their digital community as well. So for me, while Apple they can boost that offering a number of different ways, right? They can give you free subscriptions with devices. They can bundle them. I mean, now they have the Apple One offering for $30 a month. You can get all six of their services. It's like music, cloud, fitness, news, and a bunch of other stuff that you probably wouldn't use, but I, I do feel like I do. Feel, I feel like I feel like to me, Peloton is is really they're the ones to beat here. I think Peloton really really set the stage here, and Apple sees it as an opportunity. It, it's an opportunity for them to to keep Apple users in in that universe, and I think it's easy enough for them to offer. I don't think it's going to be something that they invest a whole heck of a lot of money in. Whereas this is obviously Peloton's bread and butter. Um, so for me, yeah, I, I, I think I would, I would side with Peloton on this one. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Now the next one's going to be a little wonky, but I was trying to look for two stocks that had once done very well, but are now not doing so well. And so, but this is actually going to get super wonky. So I don't know. Here we go. Fitbit, which was once at a high of $29 in 2015 is now at seven. And then we've got Under Armour, which was once at a high of 103 again in 2015, but now it's only at womp womp around $15 a share. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. Right? Like you remember not so long ago, we were all sitting here being like, I don't know, Under Armour or Nike. I don't know. I think Under Armour is going to do really well. But womp womp. Well, I mean, it goes to show you, I mean, just because you have a good product doesn't necessarily uh, ensure success because I think Under Armour has always had good stuff. Uh, They just they just really made some boneheaded business decisions along the way. I think founder Kevin Plank, I think he kind of hit his ceiling, you know, and and we see that with founders from time to time. They can take the business to a certain level and they probably should step aside in order to let uh, more seasoned leadership continue that journey. And with Under Armour, remember, it wasn't all that long ago. They actually made that foray into connected fitness by purchasing those apps, right? The My Fitness Pal app and Endomundo or whatever. They paid something like $550 million in total for all of this stuff. And then quarter in and quarter out, they would tout, we're beating Nike and connected fitness. And oh, we're so good. And they're just patting themselves on the back all along the way. And and just clearly didn't execute, right? They they just it didn't they didn't execute. So they actually have now divested those connected fitness apps and are really just trying to get back to to basics with their apparel. 
and again, I think they've always had the apparel uh, figured out. I mean, they, they have good products. I think really um, they have a new CEO in place that I think is doing the right things for the business. It'll take some time. Um, Fitbit, if, if, you, if you are aware of this, Fitbit has been kind of out of the news for a while because Google uh, made an, an offer a little while back to acquire Fitbit. And then it, it really had just been going on forever through regulatory scrutiny. And I think the main concern has always been in regard to the data and what Google will do with that data. And so just recently, um, the European, European regulators actually gave Google the blessing with conditions for this acquisition to proceed. And, and the main conditions are that they don't want Google using the data that they glean from Fitbit in order to target ads to Google customers and Fitbit customers. And, and I think I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, in this age of, of privacy and, and uh, protecting our data, I think that's the number one concern. So it sounds like that acquisition is going to happen it sounds like they're still going to have to be somewhat separated. So I'll be interested to see what Google does with Fitbit because I think Fitbit, while it's pretty good hardware, they always really lacked that infrastructure, that ecosystem to 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 really keep people engaged, um, like a Peloton or, or like maybe an Apple. So I think there's potential there. And it, you also have to remember that Amazon has just introduced their own little service here, Amazon Halo. And that is another uh, fitness little arm, a little wrist wearable that it's 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 not even a watch, right? I mean, I think that's probably one of the selling points to it. It's kind of like a Fitbit, um, but it, it links up to your phone and gives you all of that stuff through an app as well. So Amazon stepping into this ring uh, should make it more interesting. But I think... I'd probably, I'd probably go with. I still own my shares of Under Armour, and I do like the clothes, so I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. And I think five years from now, Under Armour is in a much better place. It's funny the idea of regulators being like, "Oh, Google, you can't. Sorry, you can't do ads through people's Fitbits when our cell phones are listening to us constantly." Like, I have no yeah. doubt that after this interview, I'm going to start getting ads for Fitbits on my phone. <laughs> Yeah, my yeah, Alexa well, is listening to me. And my phone, like everything. So it's so weird to be like, oh yeah, no, it was my Fitbit. That's where we're drawing the line is delivering ads because of your again pedometer. Yeah, I think if they could go back in time, they would have been a little bit more. Um, uh, they would they would have they would have been a little bit more careful about how all of these devices are collecting data. Uh, I mean, it really has just been recently where privacy and, and data protection has taken the taken the, the the headlines there and been at the front of everybody's uh, minds. I, I'm I'm with you, man. I mean, I, I don't I don't want to be sharing my data with everybody, but I also know that I've got Alexa in this house and and uh, my computer, my phone. I mean, I, there's only so much you can do, right? There's a trade off. There's a trade off with all of this technology, and um and and we as consumers, clearly at this point, I mean, we we don't mind making that trade off. Yeah. All right. Last one. Let's talk about. Two companies that are kind of a bit more old school, one that uh, is trying to get you back into the gym and one that's trying to reinvent itself. So Planet Fitness versus WW, formerly known as Weight Watchers. Yeah. Yeah. This was a this was an interesting one because you're right. They are they are kind of old school and Planet Fitness is um it's 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 a right. That's the gym membership, right? That's you get in your car and you drive to the gym and you pay for that membership every month and you're going into a building and that building is is owned and operated by someone and so there are a lot of expenses that come with that model. Now, Planet Fitness is mostly franchise stores. Uh, regardless, it depends on physical presence. It depends on people being at that gym. 
clearly 2020, not the greatest time for that. There's a the, the question is, will people be going back to the gym um, as as things clear up here? I mean, I I think they will to a degree, but I think that you probably won't see as much simply because of the offerings that exist now that didn't exist before. Um, and, and so for me, that combination of, of falling traffic and likely having to cut prices in order to get people through the door is not a very attractive one. Uh, I, I think that with WW, while I, 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 I mean, I fully, the rebranding to WW to me is still questionable at best. Um, I, I think Weight Watchers was, was a really strong brand as it was, but, but the company has a lot going for it. Uh, a longstanding reputation, a digital component to the business, Oprah, I mean, it, it, the, I mean, I probably just needed to say Oprah, then we could just be done with the conversation. Because she can she, she can steer an awful lot of traffic towards that business, given her following. Uh, but but I do think that the business, uh, WW, they're doing a really good job of, of building out their digital offering. They grew their digital subscriptions uh, in the most recent quarter by 23%. Uh, and, and that was strong growth in, in all of their geographic markets. So that's something that with 4.7 million members today, uh, I think WW just has a lot of opportunity to really capitalize on the digital side of that business. I think it resonates a little bit more with consumers. Um, it, 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 I think that Planet Fitness, to me, that that gym membership is just going to be a difficult one. I, I don't think it's unsustainable, but I don't think it really makes for a very attractive investment opportunity. So you're going WW. I'm going WW. All right. All right. All right. What if I force you to pick one to rule them all? What are you going to go with? One to rule them all? Wow, man. Oh, man. You know what? I'm going to surprise you here. I think Peloton's the real deal. Yeah? Okay. I mean, I'm telling you, I, I started out a skeptic. But the more I follow this business, the more I look at it, the more I see the the brand uh, identity, the brand awareness. I just yeah, I, I see I see a future where Peloton is a lot of opportunity. You see a future where they get acquired. I feel like there's a future where they get acquired. I think there's a. I mean, I, I could see why someone would want to do that. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I I they they that may be something that's beyond their control, and sometimes that is uh, a short-term win for investors, but they have to give up kind of that long-term opportunity. I, I could definitely see that happening. Um, if I were an investor in, in Peloton, I'm not. I don't own shares, but if I if I did, I would, I would much rather watch them go on, on their own and, and build that business out because I think they have a lot of different ways they can go with it. Yeah. So my husband, out of the blue this morning, was like, hey, what do you think about getting a treadmill? Which I'm like, ugh. No, you don't. Like, he's like, well, I think it'd be like, I think it'd be a good, you know, that'll keep me running during the winter. And I'm like, you don't even run the other three seasons of the year. What do you mean you need to buy a treadmill in the winter? (laughs) Wow. Wow. I well, I will say, like we have we have a a treadmill here now. I I use it more for walking. I'm you know getting old, so I'm not really one for running. To me, really, the key to it all: get a dog. If you oh. get a dog, and you'll just you'll want to go take that dog for walks. And I mean, I, I just took my dog for a walk. I mean, I have three dogs. So I took one of them for, for a walk earlier today. Uh, we walked around the neighborhood for 45 minutes, came back. And, you know, it, it's just an easy way to get some exercise. And I think walking is really good, uh, personally. So whether I'm walking uh, on the golf course or just walking around the neighborhood, that's that's my preferred form of exercise. Um, and uh, but but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. It's it's. You got to do something, right? And the older, you get, the older you get, the, the more important it is. 
Yeah. Well, I did. So I did go back to Ron and I was like, I'm not interested in a treadmill, but have you thought about a Peloton? Ooh. That was literally our conversation this morning. And then he was like, no. Why not? Why? I mean, yes to the treadmill, but no to the Peloton. You know what? You know what? You run your knees. You know what I think the thing is, is, uh, you know, there's a fun saying about if someone's like cross country or soccer. I think my husband's more soccer than cross country. <laughs> like he needs like a team sport. He needs yeah. friends to like get together and play basketball or play soccer or something where it's like it's social and fun and out there. Um, I can. Whereas that. I like running because it means I get to be alone for a while um, with my thoughts. Um, so I think what he needs is just to get away from running and get into a team sport someday. Yeah, that's the nice thing about golf. It's a very individual sport. So when you get out there and just walk around the golf course, you can just be alone with your thoughts. I I, I like that a lot. Or you can do it with friends. Well, you can, and you can also completely ignore them. And you can just walk on the other side of the fairway so you don't have to talk to anybody. Yeah, there you go. So, I'm not antisocial, I promise. (laughs) I just don't want to talk to anybody. I just don't like people. Yeah. The social part is fine. It's the people I don't like. (laughs) I got another one for you, Allison. Oh. You can combine your Peloton with video games. Get yourself an Oculus Quest. Yeah. And Supernatural is the uh, is the app you need. It's like the Peloton of VR. Okay. And they, they have you like doing all these exercises. They have the um, the coaches are there telling you that you're an athlete and how good you are. Oh. <laughs> Very invigorating. Great job, everybody. And, and and I'm like Ron. I'm one of the soccer guys. That's I. But uh, but the VR is doing it for me. If I can ever find a space in the house that's not being overwhelmed by laundry and puppies. And a puppy. Yeah. Speaking of dogs. So, Rick, you got yeah. a new puppy? I did, yeah. Congratulations. That's awesome. Thanks. Those are always Excuse a me, lot of fun. I also get a lot of exercise cleaning pee off the floor. Oh, my God. Yeah, I can only. <laughs> I can only dog, too. <laughs> I only hope for you that it's all hardwood floors because, man, oh, man, they like to make messes. <laughs> oh, you guys. All right, Jason. Thank you so much for joining us to talk about this industry. I think it's pretty interesting, but um, hopefully our listeners did as well. So please come back again sooner rather than later. Well, thanks for having me. And you know, I always will come back whenever you ask. Ah, you're the best. As always, The Motley Fool may have recommendations for or against the stocks we talked about. Uh, Don't buy and sell stocks based solely on what you heard here. Well, that's the show. It's edited athletically by Rick Engdahl. Our email is answers at fool.com. For Robert Brocamp, I'm Allison Southwick. Stay foolish, everybody. Bye.